Welcome to part two of my interview with Luke Kite, the head of culture at Redico, where we are talking about Redico going through a cultural revolution of becoming a self-organizing company. In part two, we continue talking about the recruitment process, especially the onboarding of new people and getting them used to to working in a self-management environment and setting their own targets. I also asked Luke about things that didn't exactly go to plan in their journey to becoming a self-organizing company. Here's part two of my interview with Luke Kite. We Got This showcases individuals and organizations that create people-focused workplace cultures to help it become the norm rather than the exception. It's something that will require a mindset shift and probably not something that any of us can do alone. But together, together, we got this. Once a person gets through all the process and gets an offer at Redico and starts, what happens there? Yeah, so from that point, what we try to do in the onboarding now is... I suppose, put them head first into the idea of self-management. So I suppose typically when you might join a, a normal company, you would meet with uh, your manager and HR and stuff like that. And you would have, they would sort of say, right, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, this is how you're going to do it. This is what the onboarding is going to look like for your first couple of weeks. What we try to do is a different approach. You get people straight away into the mindset of being responsible for themselves and the way they work. And what this looks like is just having a, at the moment it's a Trello board. And so they've got everything that they might need to know about the company on this Trello board. There's all these tickets all over the place. And we say, you are now responsible for your onboarding. You can take it as quickly or as slowly as you want. You can work on it around your priorities, around the other work you're gonna be doing on a daily basis. When you want to learn about this, you can learn about this. When you want to schedule an initial catch up with this department, you can do that. If you want to do it, it's completely up to you. This is essentially like your one-stop shop for everything that's going on. And how you take that is up to you. How you want to onboard yourself is up to you. And then that includes like setting up 360 reviews. So throughout our probation period, so it's a six-month period. And we say through that, try to set up um, 360 reviews so that you can find out and get sort of feedback from people in the team, things that you're doing well, things that you could work on. And so people manage that. They manage things like their values journal, which is putting down instances every time they've aligned to the values or something they've done, which which lines to, to Bredico's values and how we work. Um, and just talking more about that. So it's instantly just sort of thrusting people straight into that idea of, of, of responsibility and self-management and, and the way they can work. And, and I suppose from, from there, it's just just giving people that support they need as well when, when they need it. So there's obviously lots of things. I suppose one of the one of the challenges that we have often is people joining the company aren't used to this. So it's it's one of those things where it's quite daunting to come into a business and, and sort of saying, you're now responsible for managing yourself. You can now have as much holiday as you want. You can now work wherever you want to. You're not going to have a manager. You're going to be setting your own targets. You're going to be making your own decisions. Like there's no one to ask for approval and, and things like that. And we're, we're, we're aware that it can be a daunting experience and that people are going to need additional help and support to help them through that and to just reiterate the fact that this is what we do this isn't just like a, a gimmick or it's just what we tell people and then when you come in it's going to be something completely different at all and so it's just having sort of regular catch-ups as well I, I kind of catch up with people on a regular basis when they join us every few weeks just to find out like how they're getting on any questions they've got any issues that have, have come up that they, they can't work out as well just to, to make sure that 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 blended in period is working for them as well and, and that they they feel like they've got that support where they need it. 
But apart from that, it's very much sort of that person to start, I suppose, getting themselves headfirst into the organisation and just, just doing things. Because we used to have it that you, we would tell people when to do it. So we'd, we'd say, right, I'll set up a, a conversation for you to meet the finance team. I'll set up a conversation for you to meet uh, the SEO team, the development team. But now it's a case of, look, this is the person to reach out to. If you want to have a conversation with the development team, then, then you need to arrange it. And it's just, it's, it's just changing it from being like a parent-child relationship where the parent is trying to control what someone does and trying to kind of protect them and look after them and, and make sure they're okay to being an adult-to-adult relationship, which is like, you're an adult, we trust you, we know like you can do this, so go ahead and do it. And so it's quite, I suppose it's a bit of a shock joining, but after, after a couple of weeks, couple of months, it, is, it all becomes seamless for them. It is a classic example of people uh, shouting, we want freedom, give us that, we want to do it. And then they actually get it and they go, wow, this is this is scary. What do I what do I do now? I've, I've seen that so many times and I've actually been in those situations before where we kind of, you want, you want something and then you actually get it and you don't know what to do with it. And it's, it's, it's fascinating. And I can, I can relate to that because it, autonomy requires a lot of you. I actually like what you said in terms of what company culture is for, for you, that that's trust, freedom and responsibility. I would throw another thing to the, into that uh, and that's ownership taking ownership of the stuff that you you do and the mistakes that you do and and learning from that and that's what kind of autonomy is is being people who have been sent to work remotely work from home and it's been a problem for organizations for many years up until 2020 where they they didn't have a choice at the kind of base of that for me that was always the lack of trust from organizations that will people do their jobs and some people revel in that freedom to be able to set their own hours and do stuff others struggle because they don't have that self-discipline and all or all that is required and that also that's fine you need to learn and cope and and it can be very uncomfortable uh, but that's where growth comes from and this brings me on to a, a, a mini segment within the, the, the interviews that I have, which I like to often refer to as we fucked up, which is basically the opportunities to ask my guests of what things have gone wrong for them that they didn't either foresee that things might go that way, an unexpected negative result of something that was implemented or something that you hoped will work a certain way and it just went completely pear-shaped. Because that's, I believe, that's where the, the real learnings are. It's only a mistake, it's only a failure if you fail to learn from that. Otherwise, if you do, for me, that's an investment in kind of future decisions. What has that been for you? What has been that one thing that is completely taken you by surprise and had a, a negative impact that you've learned the most from? There's, there's a few things, really, I think. What I often surprise people with is that it's actually, in general, worked quite seamlessly. So when I first sort of looked at the manifesto and looked at the sort of challenges ahead, I thought, oh, my God, like, this is never going to work. Like, how could we possibly have a business that works in this way? And we, we talked about mindset at the start. It really is a mindset shift. Like, the moment you can get on board of it and shift that mindset, you can start to understand how it will work. And we were quite fortunate that a lot of the bigger stuff we did were quite seamless. There's been things that I suppose we implemented near the start that we've had to come like constantly have iterations to, to try and tweak them and change them. One of the ones that really stands out is setting your own targets. And we, we, we started trying to do this in, in, in sort of 2018, summer 2018, and sort of saying to people, we want to 
start setting their own targets and we've started to think of a system we might use and we went down the OKR route, which is a really sort of popular popular route. And it's the idea is it aligns sort of companies um, traditionally top down, bottom up, and everyone's working towards sort of a, a common or a shared goal. And we just found that people weren't really engaged with, with what their OKRs were, what their targets were. Um, the completion rate was really low. And it was, it was, I suppose early on, it was kind of thinking, well, is this a case that actually this isn't working and actually people aren't? really able to, to to manage themselves and keep on top of their targets and things like that but then again it was like getting feedback from the team okay right so it's not working because actually we're asking people to to try and set too many and, and actually the OKRs isn't really working as a system in Redico so we tweaked it again and we took away the idea of having an objective and we said right try and set two key results on a, on a quarterly basis so two targets you want to achieve and then like work gets in the way and then it's kind of like people saying that if my everyday work is getting in the way of me being able to achieve extra stuff outside of what I would do on, on a daily basis. So this isn't working again. And you know, you're scratching your brain and thinking like we're trying to create this, this system where everyone's sort of working in, in their own way and having that accountability and that ownership and that responsibility. And people just aren't, or seemingly people just aren't doing their end of, of the stick and end of the bargain. But it's not, it's not what it was. It was just that like, I suppose as a business, especially one that's got high growth, I suppose we often talk about it as like an hourglass and it's kind of like you get all of these, this business kind of all these clients come in and lots of work happens and, and lots of like capacity is needed. And so you grow the team and you recruit and then and that means the capacity goes down again and you've got more time. And then you take a more clients, more work comes in and again, it becomes stretched again, resources become stretched. And what you find is just that, that that just seems to happen all the time. And it just means that if people aren't setting goals and targets which are more aligned to their everyday work and what they're doing on a daily basis or what their priorities are, what they need to do, the chances are not even going to start thinking about it. And so we've had to get to a point where we, we're just encouraging people to set these goals and these targets, which is are more aligned to like their daily work. It's like, what is the priority going to be over a three-month period rather than what is something extra that you could do as an additional target to like your everyday work and what you're planning to do, which hopefully encourages people to kind of think more about like different ways of doing things and the challenges that might come about um, and the issues that might be presented by it and just thinking differently about how they're going to achieve stuff going forward. Um, and at one point, I think we aligned the, the targets to money, but I mean, I'm sure you know that actually when you align things to money, it doesn't really make too much difference to how likely they are to, to be completed. So we learned that as well. And, You've got the whole damn thing thing around money not motivating people and things like that so we kind of ditched that idea and so that that's it's one of those things where the targets has been that real up and down sort of learning curve trying to sort of adjust it and trying to the system and the other one was probably the manager one in terms of uh, just trying to stop i suppose because when, when we first started this we had that that role a which was more of like a strategy type position but for a while it was almost like they were a manager but in everything but name um, and they were still doing a lot of the jobs, a lot of responsibilities, a lot of the things that a typical manager might do. And like we're saying to people who don't have managers, but actually we've got someone that's acting like a manager and, and doing it. And so we had to kind of detach the, a lot of responsibilities from that and, and really be clear out what this, this role is about, what that thing is doing, which is about growth of the department and about making sure that it's able to sort of complement the rest of the business and, and, and grow that area and all these other responsibilities like, uh, probations and mediation things like that can fall to other people in the team to manage um, and coaches can can form all the part around personal development and motivation and support and things like that which we talked about earlier 
Because that was probably the other one, is just making sure that what we were saying was not having managers, but in reality, we had managers. So it was just trying to make sure that, that we, we didn't potentially sort of, sort of not have that, that clash. So there are two things that kind of stand out as not necessarily testing, but more learning curves and just adaptations, iterations of stuff that we, we launched really early on. And yes, that, that's what I'd say stands out. In a way, I want to ask you, what would you do differently? next time around if you if you if you had the opportunity to do it again but i've got a feeling that you you've sort of covered that in great detail in these two examples that you just mentioned but is there an, an element that you haven't mentioned that you think that you 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 wish you'd done it differently or that you, next time you will definitely do it differently with the targets and the goal setting it was so it was so overly complicated to start i think in my head i had all of this ambition of trying to tie it to values and like the four pillars of what it is now the four pillars of something and, and having like values driven and things like that in there but it was just too complicated and ultimately we want people to set their own targets because we want people to be responsible for growing themselves and growing the business and helping to drive the business forward and people should be able to do that in a really simplistic easy way which is this is what i want to do it's how i'm going to do it um, it doesn't need to be bells and whistles associated with it. It just needs to be really simple, really clear, and just really concise. I'm trying to recall who said the simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And I can't, I can't remember. I don't know. I think my connection goes to towards Apple, either Steve Jobs or Johnny Ive. I've got a feeling it comes from them, or maybe I heard them say that, but it might be somebody before them uh, but i think it just it applies it's i prefer simplicity i prefer minimalism the and it kind of something that drove uh, some of my previous managers nuts is because i was a project manager <laughs> and i wanted stuff to be simple didn't want to overcomplicate stuff and because i often find that if somebody, something needs to be complicated because that's what it requires that's fine but i often find that we overcomplicate things just for no particular reason, just to, in a way, satisfy some needs that people might have, that we're proving ourselves, proving our value, proving that we're doing a job, which is, I guess, something that is very common, that people do things just to show that they're busy, to prove their worth, rather than based on the value that they, they deliver. In terms of the people that you had working for you at that time, was there a lot of resistance to the changes? Or what, did you already have the right group of people in, in, in the majority that fit the bill of what you want to do? And they actually went and picked it up and went, yes, this is what we're going to do. And then just run with that. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, fortunately, I suppose, again, traditionally, like the resistance comes from the top. So it would come from like directors, boards, shareholders, that kind of stuff. But when this was launched it was driven ultimately by the directors of the business the people that owned, owned the business so we already had that in our favor that it was always being led by them so the resistance there wouldn't be a huge amount of resistance i think the bit to maybe pick up on is around like just making sure that the people you've got are going to be the right people for this journey and when we first started looking at different options again i spoke to, to different companies around the implementation and Obviously, I, I couldn't really find a company that did everything that we did, but there were obviously were different companies that did different elements. There was companies that do like, no managers. There were companies that people set their own targets. There are companies where people have unlimited holiday. And an example was I, I, I rang up a company and spoke to their manager director and 
So I asked about on a mythical holiday and sort of said, look, does it go wrong? Do people take the mic? Like, is there, does it get abused? All that kind of stuff. And they said that when they started uh, their own sort of cultural journey, they had to fire 30% of people who they knew wouldn't be able to survive in, in, in that model, in that way, and it just wouldn't work. And they just I had to make that call. Luckily, we didn't have to, to make the call where it was 30% of the people. But at the time, there were a couple of people who I suppose we knew weren't really going to be right for this. And over time, they did sort of filter out and did, and did leave the business for one reason or the other. And it's just one of those things where I kind of mentioned earlier where not everyone's going to be right for this journey. And what you want is you want to create accountable teams where I suppose there's this thing where like, it's not really a stat, it's my own stat, I've made it up. <laughs> but you, you often say that 95% of people can work in this way, say, and, and they can be responsible, they can cope well, with trust and freedom and responsibility, they want to, to do it, this is how they want to work. And there are always going to be 5% of people that can't, or they'll take the mic, or they'll lose the system, or they will kind of try to take it for it arrived, all that kind of stuff. And what you want to do is you want to build these teams where the 95% of people can hold the 5% accountable and essentially just create that culture where you're building systems and policies and framework for the 95%. And ultimately, traditional management, traditional businesses are built to survive the 5%. It's like we have all these rules and policies and procedures in case someone takes the mick. But actually, that's such a, a few and far between example that everyone else is suffering because of it. And, and so I suppose to answer the question in a, in a long, long-winded way, we didn't have too many issues of resistance, but there were a couple of people that, that probably weren't right. And we just wanted to make sure that we could build these teams that were accountable, held their account, account um, and know what those expectations are going forward. That's, that is very fortunate. And I'm actually not surprised about the organization that you've mentioned, that they had to let go of 30% of their people. That is that is very common. Such a massive pivot in how things are done. You, you will have, well, unfortunately, there will be collateral. That's what 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 it is, and it's a question of how you do that. And this style of working and self organization is not for everybody, as you pointed out. Ninety five percent or five percent, whatever the stat is, the kind of the model, the the approach I like to take is that we are all individual and we've got different paths to growth and different um, speed of growth, and that's fine, providing we grow in the same direction. Uh, because what often happens is we we grow, but we don't grow in that same direction, and we co- we become going further and further apart, and that's where the problems start, and that's something that people have to be aligned in, and I think that's what uh, has to be established at the process of re- in, in the recruitment process. But then it's normal after a period of time for potentially the paths naturally to diverge, and this is again that shows the maturity of an organization where you can turn around and say, "Listen, we've had a great ride. We've been working for." two three years or however long but now we've got different paths and that's that's okay and you mutually agree that you need to go in separate directions and you kind of help each other out you the the organization has an advocate because they've they've looked after him or her and after they left there's only good things that they can say about each other and that's that's a fantastic place to be at but it does take a lot of discipline to arrive at that and i really like how you say how you how you put it that the you you want the majority to be kind of holding the others accountable and that often we do have these roles 
for that 5%, for that small number of people that actually, yes, it keeps them in check, but it so negatively impacts the rest of the group and you see it so often and that's 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 such a shame but it's really glad to really glad to hear that you you do it uh, slightly uh, differently to make it a little bit more practical if, although actually come, come to think of that you've already made it very practical with all the details that you gave so if we could make it even more practical if somebody wants if an organization wants to go down this route a similar route of what you've mentioned where would you say they start kind of the first place that they should look at you've mentioned a theoretical it was flexible working is that for everybody is that where you would start again or is there another place uh, organizations people within organization can uh, who want to transform their organizations can start yes i mean i would say that the in terms of the starting point is with the team and in some way having a, a survey or a feedback option with the team to be able to sort of start feeding back and understanding what the pain points are in that organization. Because ultimately, the, the people that are working for the business on a day-to-day see things very differently to how the managers might do or how the leadership might do or the board might do, whatever that might be. And so initially start out with some kind of benchmark. So there are loads of like different options, obviously, for it. You've got things like the EMPS surveys, which is, is a very simple place to start and you can get a score from that and get feedback from people just to kind of give yourself a bit of a benchmark you then got more advanced things like you've got things like investors and people and things like the great place to work schemes things like that which give you surveys anonymous surveys that go out to the team but have statements of like 150 different statements which are anything from like being clear on expectations to uh, what the policies and all that kind of stuff is like so that kind of give you a really good sort of platform as well like where to start in terms of what actually people are saying isn't working particularly well and where it's going wrong in terms of what you do with that information is making sure that first of all you listen to it and then action it as well because the worst thing you can do is ask the team for feedback or 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 try to get responses to a survey and then not do anything with it and then just do another survey in six months time or a year's time and then not do anything with it and, and all that kind of stuff so you then need to put together a bit of a roadmap in terms of what that looks like now for us that was a manifesto which was like these are the six areas that we've highlighted as a business we want to change and they can be as as big or as small as the business wants and then this is the plan we're going to do so this is this is point a where we are now over this period of time that might be three months six months 12 months this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to roll it out we don't necessarily know you don't have to go there and say this is every single thing we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it because ultimately when you get to that point you can work out then how you can do it so i put together a mode map initially based on what I thought was going to be the easiest thing to do. And, and so things included what I thought would be easiest was people setting their own targets, flexible working um, is an easy thing to roll out. And then what was going to be the hardest thing to roll out, things like um, removing managers and having a different thing in place for that. And so that was more towards the end of the roadmap. So I start creating this roadmap for what that looks like, what the future looks like for, for this, this culture. And put someone, I suppose, one of the big things that can really help with the success is making sure there's someone who's dedicated to doing this, not someone who's just doing it as part of their job because it will never be priority because other things come up, other priorities come up. This is one of the, I think one of the biggest successes for this is that the director said, look, it maybe it didn't necessarily have to be me, but making sure there was someone who this was going to be their job or this role role was going to be to roll this out and to make sure this happens. And throughout going to the team, asking them the problems. So when we're coming to flexible working and I'm thinking to myself, well, what's going to 
happen here or how's this going to work but setting up meetings with the team and getting more information about how do you think this could work in a way that's right for you and for the business and where it's not going to break it's not going to go bang like just constantly getting feedback i'm one of those people that i probably get too much feedback now like i've always got a google form going out or a survey or something trying to get feedback from the team it's probably probably annoying there's always the stuff that goes to the team because i just want it to be collaborative again with like culture i just want it to be it's not about my culture or the director's culture but it's about team culture and any way you can make it about a team culture is by getting the team involved throughout making sure that everyone feels like they've been heard and listened to and can collaborate on this and build it together it's like when we win different awards for culture it's not my own personal reward or my own personal sort of accreditation it's this is what a team effort like if i stepped out tomorrow the culture is still going to work because everyone's come together and created a supportive inspiring responsible place to, to work um, and so that's something where you've got, you've got to be really key is just including the team every every step of the way every step of that journey um, so i think that's that's what i would say to start it's not necessarily go right tomorrow we're going to we're going to become flexible we're going to be more flexible but start saying what does the team want and then what does that plan look like and how can we build that out over a x amount of x amount of time that's where i'll start Thank you. That's that's very useful. And in terms of any resources, you've mentioned corporate rebels. Definitely a fantastic place to to start if you if you want to educate yourself more. But you mentioned that you went out to organisations that you you read a lot of books and how things can be done. Are there any particular ones that stood out for you? Do you suggest? Do you recommend people look at? Yeah. So there's, there's a similar company to to Redico in sort of the same industry, uh, which is Propellinet, which is a company down in Brighton. And there's a book called Super Engaged, which has got loads of great ideas in that as well by um, Nikki Gattenby. There's a, a book called Brave New Work, which also has a lot of ideas. Um, another one called The Happy Manifesto, which is by someone called Henry Stewart, who's a, a really well-known person, especially when it comes to managers and people being able to choose their own manager and different approaches to, to how that might look like when it comes to sort of leaders and things like that. He works for a company called Happy, believe it or not. So that's uh, it all fits in pretty well there. And he's the, he's the chief happiness officer, which is a pretty cool title. So there's some, there's some really good places to start. And then when you really want to get even more heavily into it, I mentioned it at the start, but Frederick Laloux, um and reinventing organisations is kind of taking the idea of culture and redefining it to be in this this self-managed, self-organising kind of next revolutionary type business and it's like it's got loads of videos online as well i can't quite remember the, the name of the website but you type in reinventing organizations and all that into google you'll find the website it's got loads and loads of videos about how you can solve these common problems people might have uh, when you move to sort of self-organizations and, and self-organizing sort of principles uh, hopefully that's some some good some good ideas there Definitely, I'll I'll do my best to find all those uh, resources and include them in as links for for people to to look at in in the show notes. We talked a fair bit about what you've done so far. What does the future hold for you in terms of Redico? Where are you going next? How things are going to develop? Any projects? Any things that you're really excited about? You can't wait to put them in place, or you can't wait to see the results of? Yes, I mean I'll start from like a culture standpoint. So. I am a very competitive person and I only thrive if it's a competition or if you can win something. Um, that's, that's what motivates me. It's, it's, it's one of my biggest strengths, I would say. And so for me, it's like becoming the best place to work in the UK or the best place to work in the world. That's where I want to be. Like, I'm not happy with fourth. 
like fourth is really good. Like we came fourth last year. Like that, that's great. I think this this month or um, I'm not 100 sure when this is, this is going out. Um, but this uh, over the next couple of months we'll find out where we are this year and hopefully it's number one. If it's not, I've got even more work to do. So like my jobs, I don't put my jobs completed until we we've got to number one at least in in in, in the UK or Europe or the world. And even then, it's one of those things where it's constantly evolving, constantly changing, constantly tweaking things and making sure that we don't necessarily rest on our laurels but we kind of keep ahead of the comp not just the competition in terms of our industry but just staying ahead of kind of that, that whole cultural game uh, and being kind of the, the pioneers and, and the, the radical company that really is kind of trying to test things and really push things to the limit and really give the team as much sort of freedom and trust and responsibility as possible uh, the next big thing really that's going to come out of it is around salaries because we're at a point now people are managing their own careers and I think the next step is where people can promote themselves and increase their own salary and set their own salary and things like that. So that's the one that's sort of coming next over the next sort of three months is, is working out exactly how that works so that that, that can be done in a way where it's not necessarily going to blow the bank <laughs> after month one. Uh, but obviously I'll, I'll say that tongue in cheek because again, obviously it's all, it's all based on, on trust. But that's that's kind of the next big thing is sort of salaries and what that looks like and how we can, can manage that in a way where it's sort of self-managed and, and worked out at your own individual level. And then from a business standpoint, it's just sort of massive growth. So again, as a business, we've won so many awards over the last sort of couple of years. I mentioned earlier, we won sort of the best agency in Europe last year. We've, we've just launched a new sort of an online sort of speed checker for websites and we're creating all these sort of free tools that people can use as well online sort of the dev team that are producing like, those are really amazing stuff and we're sort of growing that area of the business quite a lot as well so yeah if anyone wants to check them out then it's at redico.co.uk it's just yeah it's a really exciting time um, so also if anyone's looking to join it's a really exciting time to, to, to join us because it's just we're just growing we're looking to get to sort of 50 60 people over the next next year or so and, and, and really just go from there and just become hopefully just an amazing place to work, but also an amazing place that does amazing work for clients as well. And it's just ultimately the best place to work and the best company to do the work. So, uh, By the sounds of it, you are definitely on the right track to, to do that. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for you to, to reach first place in whatever rankings that you enter. And I'm also curious what will happen uh, when you do get first place, what happens to your competitive nature? But maybe I'll invite you as a guest once you've, you you reach that to kind of to talk about that. What happens? What happens next? If people do want to keep in touch with you, go get in touch with you, or kind of find out a little bit more about Redico, what you do, and mostly follow what's going on for you and 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 the future of for yourself and the organization, what's the best way of doing that? Yeah, so there's a number of different ways. And so I'm on LinkedIn, so just Luke Kite. So yeah, happy to connect on there and share information and also jump on calls with people as well if they want to find out more um, or kind of pick my brains about different areas that the, of the business that we sort of do from the cultural side. Also on Twitter, so you'll find me on Twitter and in my email as well, it's just luke.kite at redico.co.uk. So again, always happy to kind of speak to people um, and hopefully inspire them or help them with any problems that they're facing from a cultural standpoint. Even if you want to pick my brains or, or try and just talk over things, like always happy to, to give my time for that as well. And look, when I started this podcast, I had, and I continue having this vision and hope that I will be talking to organizations who actually break the mold and, and do things differently and are at the forefront of what I believe 
uh, is the future of work and many times i think i'm a bit of a crazy idealist idealist and that we're talking about i'm talking about organizations that are just a little bit too good to be true but by talking to people like yourself and seeing organizations like redico makes me certain that a i'm not completely unhinged <laughs> and but secondly that we are going in the right direction it will take us a little while for this to become the norm rather than the exception is at the moment but we're definitely heading there. Luke, it's been absolute joy uh, getting to learn from you about Redico, about your journey. I'm looking forward to finding out a lot more uh, for of what the future holds for you. But thank you very much for your time. No, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Before you take off, I've got a huge favor to ask. If you found the episode and this podcast of value, please subscribe, rate, and give us a review on Apple Podcast or wherever you might be listening to it. It will help grow the audience, which is so, so important for a podcast in its early days as this one. You can find show notes for this and previous episodes on human.pm forward slash we got this. That's all one word. Until next time. <laughs>